0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.
1: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.
0: Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation? Today, I'm very excited to be joined by one of my very good friends, Tim Ringold. I met Tim when we were at a speaking competition in Dallas and Tim and I just kinda connected. So a couple of years ago, Tim won the very competition that I was speaking at and just by the serendipity of the nature of being in small groups and conferences and you know, a couple few hundred people, whatever, uh, Tim and I got to having a conversation. And throughout that conversation, I just kept noticing these intricacies that he and I had as far as parallels in our journey and our story. We had suffered tremendous amount of loss in people in our lives through death, through murder, um, you know, and through suicide. And Tim, his story really hit me hard because it made me realize like there's so much that we don't talk about when it comes to grief, when it comes to dealing with and assessing loss. And so throughout this conversation, you know, things get busy, we we get pulled in different directions and we end up at dinner together with a handful of arguably the most incredible human beings I've, I've ever sat and talked with. And I, I've said this to them and they all know this, but it was the greatest conversation I've ever had at a dinner in my life. And that was just it was just one of those special nights when you're amongst special people. And so after that conversation and and speaking with Tim, I said, you have to come on the podcast. I want you to talk about your experience with grief, with death, with losing his five best friends, with overcoming that, with um, going through this process in which we learn to heal through community, through connection. And Tim is a, a music therapist, and so he talks about his journey um, and even plays a, a little song here for The End for us. So this this conversation is heavy. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, but it's it's very enlightening. It's very beautiful. It's powerful. It's a conversation that I know that I am very grateful for being able to have had, and I look forward to having Tim on in the future. So without further delay, my friend Tim Ringold, and let's get into the show. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hello, my friends. I'm Michael Unbroken, host of the Think Unbroken podcast and founder of thinkunbroken.com. And I'm honored to be your trauma coach and mentor because I believe that everyone is capable of getting unstuck, cultivating self-love, and becoming the hero of their own story. I believe that when implemented correctly, the practical tools and education you will receive from this show will help you lead an unbroken and extraordinary life. I believe that no matter what we come from that we all have the ability to choose ourselves first to create and manifest a powerful and grace-filled future and love the reflection in the mirror i believe that every day is a day to grow learn heal and change that's why i started my company thinkunbroken.com which is an online training and healing and personal growth platform where you get everything that I know about how to get motivated, be accountable, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story through community, connection, and commitment. For more information, visit thinkunbroken.com. Please listen closely as you may learn just one thing that will help you be unbroken. And please share this episode with at least three of your friends because we all need community and connection in our healing journey. And be sure to DM me and tag me on Instagram at michaelunbroken so that I can say hi. I just wanna thank you again for being a part of this, for listening and being a member of the Unbroken Nation. Now, let's get into today's show and make the world unbroken. Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation? Michael Unbroken here, entrepreneur, advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. And today you are listening to the Michael Unbroken podcast. I'm joined today with friend and amazing guest, Tim Ringold, who, Tim, I only just met a couple of weeks ago, but was so incredibly impacted by his journey, his mission, his story, what it is that he's bringing into the world that I felt, for lack of a better term, morally obligated to bring you on to share this because one of the things that people I believe Tim need to understand is that life is about what you make of it. So Mm. Tim, first off, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Michael. It's great to be back together again.
0: You know, we, we cross paths in an interesting way. It's like funny as the deeper I get into the the circle of the, not only the, the 10X community, which obviously people know I'm, I'm reg- and, and the um, Adventure Reach community, which is newer to me. I'm, I'm meeting all of these amazing people who have amazing stories, who just like me, I, I felt like for the first time I'm finding this thing called community. Mm. And that's so much about being in sync and in parlay with people who are like minded, who are driven by the same things, who are aiming to create impact in the world. So, Tim, very simple question. How did you arrive at that moment where you and I are having dinner a couple
1: Mondays ago? That's great. Um, I, so we were both at an event that was hosted by a gentleman named Pete Vargas. And I've seen a lot of speakers on stages. I'm a speaker, I host events, I speak at events. You know, it, I see a lot of people talk, and I see a lot of people talk from their head in our culture. They're talking heads, they're knowledge experts. When I saw Pete speak for the very first time, we were both speaking at an event in 2017, and he spoke from the heart on an entrepreneur stage. And I was like, I've never seen this before. I love this guy, instantly. There was just this connection of heart to heart in an entrepreneur context, and that was so refreshing. And so I just immediately knew, you know, I want to spend more time with this guy because I love where he's coming from, because I want to live my life coming from my heart. And I want to lead from my heart. And I almost want it to be a filter for people to either attract or repel. And so that was how I found my way to Pete. And my experience as a client of his for a couple of years now has been that he attracts heart-centered, mission-driven entrepreneurs. And so the, like the, connection factor uh, that you have with people that you meet at his event is super high uh, because I feel like like attracts like. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the
0: things that I, I think is so beautiful, empowering about when you start to And to use your words, lead with your heart, because I think it's so easy. And and I'll say this, I know that a lot of people listening to this podcast are entrepreneurial, um, and it's really easy to lead with your head, to be a knowledge expert, to step into things, for lack of a better term, without vulnerability, mm. right? But I don't know how you can step into creating impact and change in the world without having that. Before we dive into that, though, Tim, can you tell people a little bit about what it is that you do, um, not only in music therapy, but in, uh, in in the grieving space?
1: Yeah. So I'm a board certified music therapist, which is, uh, I'm an expert in using music as a treatment tool to help and to heal uh, people with chronic and acute conditions across the life. Uh, My passion right now, my company spends most of our time working with teens and adults who are struggling with mental health and addiction issues uh, that present like depression and anxiety and self-harm and addiction, but really have their roots in either uh, like acute childhood trauma or relational trauma and trying to sift and sort that out and heal that past, create a compelling future, and then uh, how do you treat yourself in the present, uh, in order to cause a new future for yourself. Um, one area that's of particular, how do I put it? It's just like, Michael, God put me on this planet. I'll use the noun God. And I, 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 I use that noun and I just, all the listeners you use the noun that works for you, whether it's universe, purpose, spirit. Um, I just feel like I was built to run into the crisis that other humans are having emotionally. And one particular area that that has shown up for is in the world of grief. Um, I lead a grief retreat uh, twice a year in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been part of a grief retreat team since 2010. I've lost track how many retreats I've done. And what I found is our culture is terrible at understanding and participating in the grief process and journey, which is a very human, very natural part of the lifespan for all of us. And I just feel particularly built to help and heal those who can't find relief from grief.
0: It's really powerful. I, I love what you said, because I, I often feel the same way and I don't know if I've ever been able to articulate it quite the way that you just did in that, you know, because I, I always preface what I say is I, I was never signed up for this job. Right? Yes. Like, Perfect. Like at the end of the day, I did not sign up for this job, but this job was handed to me yes. from God, spirit, universe, whatever you want to call it. And and it felt like I would be dismissive of the own potential within myself if I did not move towards it, at least enough to find out whether or not it's viable. And, mm. and that basically meaning like, can I increase change in the world? Can I impact change in the world? And, and for me, it started because of my own experiences.
1: Was that the same for you here, Tim? I would say that it's absolutely informed by that piece of my own journey. So, my dad passed away when I was relatively young. I, I think I was twenty five uh, at the time. and then, but my five best friends were murdered when I was twenty two. Uh, I experienced a lot of grief uh, earlier than any of my friends uh, in the world. You know, they just didn't know how to relate to me. and and i I first took that personally. But then I just started to notice across our culture that it was just something that nobody does well. And at first I would be like upset or offended by people's absence from my life as I went through my grief journey. And then I came to understand they didn't know how to be with me along the way. They didn't know how to be my companion. Uh, They hadn't experienced it yet or they had, but their experience was so traumatic that they didn't they hadn't processed and healed their own grief yet. And my grief was triggering their unprocessed and unresolved grief. And they didn't want that trigger. So they didn't, I, you know, I became this like pariah among, you know, certain people in my life. And it's sad because to this day, there are people in my life. I have not seen since the death of blank, whether it was my friends or it was my dad, or, you know, if we get into it, my daughter a few years later, or it it just, people just don't do well with it. And so and then it, combined with that, it was one of those things where there was just an opportunity um, where my mom, who's a retired therapist, was part of a re- retreat team at this wonderful retreat center that I love and has been a very healing place for me. And she just invited me one year. You want to come do a segment on healing grief with music? And I was a like brand new board certified music therapist, full of excitement. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely hey while i'm there why don't i just do all the music on the retreat since i'll already be there and and then that immediately was just like oh wow this is really powerful this is really transformational and i think that transformation is something for me that's really important for people to experience in their life and it's hard to experience transformation for me unless i'm immersed in something for a few days so i've been going to seminars conferences workshops retreats myself throughout my life and i found that the biggest transformations and biggest healings i've had in my life biggest moving forward if you will have been during these kind of immersive experiences and so i am all in on having deep immersive experiences in order to heal and so that that retreat became like the opportunity to serve people in that way
0: that's really beautiful uh i think constantly about the lack of relationship that we especially as americans and western society folks have with death mm. it's it's almost as if we want to pretend it's not there but it's every corner it's every house it's every everything because you know i i just you're not getting out of this alive. And I I don't say that to be funny, but I say it because it's factual. And I, I constantly share with my clients, if you change the relationship you have with death, you will change the way that you live your life. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I believe that is because I have faced death multiple mm-hmm. times. Um, once when I was young, I even had an asthma attack, and next thing you know, I I flatlined and I woke up on on a, a surgeon's table. And you know, it's one of those things where I constantly think about it, and, and I think it can also be a driver for like. Overkill, right? Where suddenly you're just going too hard. But how do you start to? Because there is so many factors and so many layers and so many variables in the way that we deal with with death, and the way that it impacts us, and the way that it impacts our our livelihood, our communities, our families. And yet, like many things in life, there's no playbook, there's no rule book, there's no this is maybe what you should try, Mm. and. how do you start to tap into the emotional awareness that you have when you have experienced a a death close to you in a way that it now has impacted you?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, for me, and one of the things that we share on the retreat And when I say we, it was my mom, another retired therapist, and me for like 20 retreats or so, and now I'm the solo uh, leader of this retreat. So I still speak in the first person plural, but even though it's just me, um, I feel like Abraham Hicks right now. Uh, we, We really like to help people understand a couple of things. One is that grief as an emotion is a normal and natural response to loss. And... I think that phrase, normal and natural, is something that we, the culture, because you you touched on it when you said, you know, Americans and Westerners, our culture tells a different story, that it's not normal, it's not natural, it's a loss. We use negative language around it all the time. And yet it's uh, very normal and very natural. Death is very normal and natural. Grief is very normal, very natural. Um, Not something to be avoided, something to just be experienced, but we live in a culture that's based on convenience and comfort. So if you live in a comfort, convenient culture, the experience of grief is uh, dissonant with that cultural current. It doesn't fit. So then we just try to avoid it as much as possible. And, it's not really sexy to tell people hey listen you got to you know lean into this feeling and really if you want to heal it you know you and and, and clichés are useful cuz we remember them but if you want to heal it you got to feel it it's there's really no back door there's no you know side any way around it you just got to lean in and and experience that one of the things i try to explain to people is it's if you think about uh, energy as a wave form, energy as a wave, so energy, everything being energy, everything therefore being waves of that of high points, peaks, troughs, peaks, troughs. If you want to experience the peaks of love and joy and connection, it's inevitable. You cannot escape the troughs. So if you think of the troughs like sadness uh, or grief uh, or pain, they are part of the same wave. You can't have one. You don't earn the right to experience one without the other. And so you have to really understand as a human being, you get both. It's a packaged deal. So it's not about avoiding the troughs. It's about understanding they're part of the wave. And then what are the best practices that work for the largest number of people and go explore those and then figure out which ones you connect with. And, and I find that the mantra explore and connect is extremely useful because each of us have our own personality and our own style. So not everything works for everybody. But if you go explore, you'll find what you connect with.
0: And I think that you're spot on. I, I share this constantly. If you can't feel the full range of emotions, you won't feel any of them. And that's, that was my experience for a long time. And I I thought, honestly, Tim, and I've shared this before, I thought I was a sociopath because I didn't cry. I learned how to turn it off. I didn't cry for 15 years. And now it's like a Nike commercial, come on and I'm over here like balling, right? Mm-hmm. But but it took so much to be able to get to that place. And, and a huge part of it was obviously therapy and personal development and things of that nature. But the other factor, the variable that I think played the greatest role that I do not believe is talked about enough, was community mm-hmm. and being in connection with other people who were experiencing these things, who had the be, the ability, for lack of a better term, to mirror for yes. me. to Go. Yes. I've been there. Can you talk about the power of community in this process? Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation, Michael here. I just wanted to take a moment and invite you to the Think Unbroken Community Coaching Sessions. We start these sessions at the beginning of every month and we take a deep dive into the baseline and frameworks of what it means to get out of the vortex and become the hero of your own story through community, connection, commitment and education. You can learn more about this at hilltraumacoach.com where you can fill out an application and sign up for a trauma healing call with me or my team to see if the Think Unbroken community coaching sessions is right for you. That's at hilltraumacoach.com. We start at the beginning of every month. I cannot wait to see you there. And I'll be honest with you, if I'm not the right fit for you, we will help you find the person that can help you on your journey.
1: Yeah, I think uh connection uh, is probably the single most useful thing as a human being to uh aspire to uh as as mammals we're pack animals so we live in inter you know personal relationships we we are interdependent we are being human is a shared experience from cradle to grave uh, we're not like bears like we don't go off and live in solitude we we live in relationship. So it's really useful to always be having an eye on this sense of connection, first to your body, then you know to your mind, then to your community, then to some sort of power uh, that you assign greater than yourself. For me, if you keep your eye on those four pillars, it's a game changer. If you take any one of them out, diminished results. So if you can keep your eye on that, that's going to be a game changer for you. And it's there's a gentleman named Dr. Alan Wofelt. He's got an unusual last name, W-O-F-E-L-T. And he is a kind of a an expert in the grief space, and published a million amazing books, retreats, trainings. And he has this concept called companioning. I think this is really useful to share. Companioning is like when you have a companion, it's like someone who's like walking along beside you they're not walking in front of you they're not walking behind you they're not carrying you they're just walking beside you and i love in like classic western movie uh genre you'll see the hero is riding his horse and there's a side shot of the hero riding his horse and then some other person rolls up and their profile you know just cuts into the shot and now there are two and they don't say anything they just look at each other and they nod they don't have to say anything there's an understanding in that moment that whatever the you know struggle is that they're riding towards they're going into it together and suddenly they're not two they're somehow more than two that connection creates this kind of you know synergy between them and the grief process is the same way um And I I find anybody who's been through any kind of experience, when you find others who get it, you don't have to justify or educate. And I think that is an exhausting process for people as they're trying to heal, to either justify or educate. I'm busy trying to heal. That is enough. I need people around me where I can just be healing and not having to justify or educate. And that's what community provides.
0: Yeah. And there's a, that's first off a very poignant way to place that because I've, you know, the second that you mentioned Westerns, my mind went immediately to where you went because that makes so much sense to me. And, and to co-tell that, I also think that you have to have the right companion also, right? People will go, oh, it should be my partner or my best friend. Yes. No, no. I don't know that it should be. No, Did you no. Can you talk about that? And why yeah. it's important
1: to get very clear about the person who should be your companion? That's really great. Yeah, so true. So one of the things that we notice is that, uh, you, the people that you think should show up don't, and the people who don't do, it's like this, like, you don't get what you want, you get what you need. And, and so people will place expectations on others uh, to be everything, right? And they're not, first of all, but there's particularly two categories that I think it's really useful for people to think about. There are people who are human beings, and then there are people who are human doings right? We live in a culture where we're just, what do you do? What'd you do over the weekend? What do you do for a living? What would you like to do? Do, 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 right? Great. Okay, cool. Type A, they like to get stuff done, right? You're going to have friends in your life who are human doings. They don't really want to just be, they just want to get stuff done. Great. Assign tasks to them. Can you go get my laundry? can you grocery shop for me? Can you do this errand? I can't seem to wrap my brain around getting this thing done. I need some help. Can you do that? Yeah, I'd love to. Because human doers, they express their love through doing. And then human beings, they can just be with you. And so when you try to be with a doer, it It's a terrible experience because they're like, did you see the sun's game? What do you want to do? You want to go get some food? And you're like, no, I just want to sit here in this moment. And they just, they're not the right shape for the pegboard. But the human being, that friend of yours who may not be good at going and getting tasks done can sit and listen to you, can sit and be with you. The more they've been through, the less they have to say because they just get you exactly where you are. And I think for those who are looking to heal, as you look in your community immediately around you, you'll notice pretty quickly, if you just ask your gut, which one of my friends are beers, which one of my friends are doers, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know. I know who I can count on in this particular way or that particular way. And that's a really easy and useful way to kind of not set yourself up for disappointment. That's such a wonderfully practical thing that you just shared.
0: And I will say this. I I, I believe that I have transitioned into more of a hybrid here between uh-huh. a beer and a doer. I definitely am more on the edge of a of the doer. Um I, I want to go on this a little bit deeper though. Sure. If if I'm a doer or I'm a beer, regardless how do I show support for someone in this way that's A, not cumbersome, B, not over the top, C, like actually showing up to be who they need me to be in that moment as opposed to who it is that I believe that they need me to be. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah, it makes total sense. A lot of times we go charging in thinking we know what others need because it's what we would need. And uh, I think the five love languages book was a great, uh, kind of essay on that. Like, just because I need words of affirmation doesn't mean you do. So I maybe I should check in with you as to what you need rather than me projecting what I need onto you. So a really easy thing to do with people is to validate the experience, let them know you've been there too, and then ask them what they need and it's a kind of disarming question because people aren't used to it like i i i actually don't know what i need and then you're like okay cool but i'm here for whatever you need so just let me know and keep it casual keep it light uh it's refreshing like hey listen i have been there too i uh, and it doesn't have to be a long story just a just a moment of validation so i got you when 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 you need me let what do you need What can I do? And, uh, or if you haven't been through it, one of the most powerful things someone said to me along the way, there were two things along the way. One person said, you know what? I can't even imagine what you're going through. No, she said, I can't even begin to imagine what you're going through. And I said, thank you. You're right. You can't because I couldn't until I was going through it. She's like, but having said that, I want to help you in any way I can. So, what can I do? Right on. Okay. We're, you know, like you have, you've recognized there's this gap between our experience, but you don't want to let that stop you. And, and then someone else said to me one day, Michael, he said, bro, I don't even know what to say to you. I'm so uncomfortable, but I just love you. And I'm so sorry. You're going through what you're going through. How can I help? And I was like, thank you for your honesty. You know, you're, there was vulnerability in that. Because I think that's what it's like for a lot of people is they just don't know. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to be. And so just being really honest, um, not thinking you have more power than they do, not thinking that they have less power because they're grieving. These are powerful people. We are powerful people. We're just powerful people grieving. So just being honest and straight about the level of connection that you can provide and then letting them step into it.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. And and that's so true because first off, especially as a as a doer, I equate that to being a fixer. And mm-hmm. guess what? You're not gonna fix anything. And you that's know, right. that, that's been such a huge transition for me, especially the deeper I get into coaching, the deeper I get into, you know, being of service, I recognize, man, I cannot be the one to fix people, which has been really freeing for me in coaching thousands of people because it helps me actually perform better, helps me yeah. do. Better leader, helps me be a better coach. You know, one of the things that I want to touch base on here, which I think is incredibly important here. um, And for those of you just listening behind Tim is a guitar, one of the most important parts of my journey, not only being like this angsty kid and teen, but in my twenties and even today is music. I mean, to me, it's everything. When I was, right, you can't see it, but in front of me, I have three music posters from different places in the world where I've been to see concerts, and it's so impactful to me. And in youth music was the way that i expressed myself emotionally because i did not have the words to convey whether it be anger or sorrow sadness hope love lust grief you know whatever that thing may be and as an adult it became this really beautiful catalyst for now it's it's inspiration now it's motivation and now it's and it's not just like the workout playlist but it's you know can i use this beautiful element of expression to formulate an understanding of myself to give me i know it sounds crazy the power to go and do something incredible mm. maybe it doesn't sound crazy because of the context of this conversation Yeah. can you talk about just in whatever way that you think makes sense the role that music plays in our journeys not only necessarily in in healing but in life and why it's so important
1: yeah i'd love to thanks for teeing up uh music because it's it's absolutely my passion and and a little bit of my expertise but i i come into it as someone who was a music lover and a musician long before i was a music therapist um when i wrote my book which is called sonic recovery Uh, harness the power of music to stay sober the word sober is an acronym and it's an acronym for what music helps us do and so for years I would share clinically this is the reason why music's such a good tool and no one would ever remember it because it was jargon right nobody remembers jargon except the expert who's saying it because they love to hear it coming out of their own mouth and then I was like ah you know I was on a road trip with my wife and we were like you know hal hal elrod uh, author of the miracle morning has a acronym in the miracle morning savers and i can remember the acronym to this day because acronyms are really useful ways for us to remember things and so i was like we need an acronym babe you know it's time so we took all the benefits of music and we kind of like retrofitted it into a word which is sober and it stands for um Music helps you one when you make it. Music helps you to stay present. So, in our culture, we're mostly music listeners, but we were all music makers for tens of thousands of years before recorded technology. So, it's a deeply human experience to make music. Now, to make music is very simple. We forget how easy it is. Our body is a rhythm machine. All our cells run on rhythm. All our systems run on rhythm. You walk in rhythm, you talk in rhythm, you sleep in rhythm, you blink in rhythm, you scratch in rhythm, you chew in rhythm. I mean, it's just, we are rhythm machines. Your heart beats in rhythm, you breathe in rhythm. I could go on and on, right? So it's this natural part of us. So when you're listening to music you enjoy, if you just tap, snap, clap, hum, rap, sing, strum, scratch along, engage your body with that music, music's taking place through time. It's time based. The beat is in time. And if I change the time between the beats, I change the tempo of the music. So it's our attention has to be right here and now, which is where our body is. So when we engage our body with music, Michael, we engage in the present moment and we activate our bodies, which is really helpful for anybody struggling with any mental health issue, whether it is grief or it's depression or it's anxiety or it's trauma most of the time when we're suffering, it's because we're out of time. We're up in our head and we're not in time. We're we're worried about the future or we're ruminating or replaying something from the past. And our brain knows at a very deep level, we have no control over the past or the future. And when our brain is perceiving situations where it perceives no control, it's distressing. It's actually a trigger for the stress response. So we want to be in situations where we have some control and we have control over our body. If we remember, remember, get connected to our body, music instantly gives us that experience. If we engage with it, that's immensely powerful in many, it creates all kinds of ripple effects for us, but it takes us out of the worry of the future or the frustrations or pain of the past and brings us back to this moment. And that's mindfulness movement is all about entering the present moment. Mindfulness is a byproduct of when we engage with music. We don't even have to think about it. We're just suddenly in the moment with the music, if we're making it, if we're listening to it, that's a little bit buyer beware, because as you know, our memories are attached to music. Music's like a memory marker. If I play a song from your teens, you'll remember a time, a place, a situation, a smell, people, and then all the associated emotions. So for people with trauma in their background, that's something you want to be careful about and understand that the way that the brain, it's like this little filing cabinet, it's going to associate the music with the events, with the emotions, and then, you know, like that. So music listening Want to be careful about music making. We absolutely want to engage our bodies whenever possible. And
0: yeah, and and I, I agree with that it's the same way as like a scent, uh, a food, uh, anything can take you there because yes. our, our our brain and body associates everything. Part of that's the parameter of safety and creating defensive mechanisms, and part of it is like, is that a snake or is it a stick on the ground? I don't know, but you know, you're gonna remember. Um, Tim, I want to just go back quickly to the acronyms. So, yeah. you yep. gave us the first S.
1: What's yeah. the last one? Yeah. So, I'll, I, I won't go as into d- depth with all of them because we'd be here for an hour. But the O is for open up. Music attach, uh, like automatically moves. How do I put this in English? Music accesses the emotional part of our brain instantly. So, it allows us to open up that valve and release emotion. And emotion is a great word because John Bradshaw once said, emotion is just energy in motion. That's what the E is for. It's energy in your body. You think thoughts in your head, but you feel feelings in your body. When you're nervous, you get butterflies in your stomach. When you get dumped, you have a broken heart, right? There are these feelings in your body and music allows those feelings to move. And that's why you can feel better and you can feel a lot just by listening to music because it allows that emotion part of you to just open up and it allows you to release things you can't talk about. And trauma is one of those things, right? They tried for years, cognitive behavioral therapy, woohoo. And it's like, mm, not that effective. What are the experiential nonverbal modalities that we can explore? And that's why, I, you know, if anyone who hasn't read Bessel van der Kolk yet, you should, because he really unlocks all these different modalities that we can all access that don't deal with words. And so when you drum or you strum or you sing and you're you're just moving your body, you're moving emotion out of your body. So it's very cathartic to help us open up. The B is for be creative. Because when we make music, it's inherently creative. And creativity, Michael, is how we solve problems. And it's not a fixed trait. It's not something that you have like a creativity score that's fixed for your life. You can build creativity. and One of the easiest ways to build creativity is by doing creative activities. It just builds that part of your brain. And there's fascinating research that links making music to being creative. So you become better at the rest of your life. It's like going to the creativity gym. So you want to explore being creative through music. The E is for escaping stressors. We need to turn off the stress response in our nervous system in a healthy way. Most of us, when we get stressed, our brain triggers a craving. That's an appropriate response to stress. It's its its attempt to self-soothe. So the game is what are the things I can reach for when my nervous system is activated and I can turn that off with music when used correctly, it turns off the stress response faster than any oral medication. So it's a great tool to reach for when we're stressed. And then the last one is reconnect. And we talked about connection earlier. Music gives us the experience of not being alone because you've heard your story in someone else's lyrics. Like they just said it better than you could have said it yourself. And suddenly you realized that guy or that gal has been through it and look where they are now. I can do this too. And that's why you can feel more connected in your room by yourself with your earbuds in than in a room full of people. Cause the music doesn't scold you. It doesn't lecture you. It accepts you exactly where you are with exactly what you're thinking and exactly what you're feeling. And I think as humans, when we talked about being social animals, The feeling of not being alone is one of the most important things for us to be able to experience.
0: Did you know that you can sponsor an episode of the Think Unbroken podcast? All you have to do is visit thinkunbrokenpodcast.com and there's a little coffee icon down there at the bottom of the screen or you can click the sponsor an episode link and your name will go on the sponsored list for sponsors of the Think Unbroken podcast. One of the things you may not know is that this is an internal podcast. There's no major sponsors. Coca-Cola doesn't sponsor us. We don't get the Joe Rogan endorsement. We're over here trying to create massive change in the world and I cannot do it alone and I need your help. So if you have the ability, please visit thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, help sponsor an episode, and we will put your name on the sponsorship list where everyone can see your contribution to the Unbroken Nation. My friend, I appreciate it so much. I wanna continue to make these shows and bring tremendous value to your life, to our world, and to the Unbroken Nation, but I cannot do it alone. If you have the ability, please visit thinkunbrokenpodcast.com and sponsor an episode. All right, my friends. Yeah, I I love that, and that's a great acronym, and I'll I'll certainly remember that. I mean, I I recall always just diving into to music in this way that. Felt it felt like therapy, like it yes. honestly felt like therapy. Yes. Because when I was a kid and I was angry, I could throw it on. And then when I was a a teen and I was this or I was that or this moment, and, and it associates everything. Like n- nothing to me is better than. And people look at me like this tall, giant, tattooed guy, and you know having this crazy ass background. My favorite thing to do is like put some jazz in the back and just go and cook dinner. Like nice. there's nothing more calming to me than that. And so. Nice. Can you talk about, and I don't know, we, we may not have enough time to dive in, but I'm so curious because I think genre-specific music also plays a role in this. Would I would I be wrong? Because I feel like if I'm listening to high tempo hip hop, I feel a certain way. And if I listen to jazz, I feel a certain way. And if I'm listening to Chopin, I feel a certain
1: way. Yes. Is, is that, does that hold true? Yeah, it, it holds true in a couple of ways. One is uh, tempo. Uh, Your autonomic nervous system is a rhythm machine. So your heart rate, your blood pressure, your respiratory rhythm, they all run on rhythm and they're all um, impressionable. So you can, and this is great research that this cardiac uh, researcher did, that you can increase heart rate through external rhythms. You can decrease heart rate through external rhythms. So your body actually tries to sync with an external rhythm in the environment. And I've used this in the ICU to help patients who are even in a coma to lower their heart rate, lower their blood pressure back down to normal healthy levels because their body automatically responds to rhythm. So that's why when you go to the gym and you look at a cardio class, they're listening to up-tempo. That tempo of that is the tempo of the human heartbeat in that target heart rate zone the march that classical da da, da 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 the march is the tempo of the human heartbeat when you march so we tempo automatically upregulates or downregulates our nervous system and so we can use that very specifically and that's why exercise playlists are usually fast tempo because we're looking to prime our nervous system up into a high rate and why like if we want to do work Apps like Focus at Work, uh, which was created by my friend Will Henschel, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, app, if anyone's hasn't checked it out, will play music that kind of matches where your kind of cognitive speed is uh, while you're doing work. And that's why when you're relaxing, you want to be listening to down tempo music that is, you know, 60 to 70 beats per minute. Uh, and if you're feeling a little anxious, you want to start out a little higher and then slowly bring it down because... When you bring your heart rate down to 60 to 70 beats per minute, you are inevitably turning off the stress response in your nervous system. So you can use the speed of the music as your primary guide. And then genre becomes more like flavor. It's more of a reflection of your own identity, what you connect to personally. And uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't match so much from just a purely physical state as more of a socio-emotional state. So you feel gotten, you feel part of something, and you identify with that thing. That's
0: that's why really, that's so practical. Like I want people to really understand what Tim just said because the th- the the music in your ears that is reverberating through your body is impacting everything around you. If you're waking up in the morning and the first thing that you're doing is you're throwing on trap music, you're probably throwing yourself into a heightened awareness state as soon as you get out of bed, right? So just think about that. What you're listening to play such a pivotal pivotal role in the way that you're existing in that moment. Again, that presence idea. Um, Tim, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. The first question is, since it would be remiss of me not to ask is, will you play us out this afternoon?
1: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. So
0: before we do that, before I ask you my last question, where can everybody find you?
1: Uh, TimRingold.com, uh, Two G's in my last name is the easiest place to find me. Uh, and should we tell them about our event? Absolutely. Okay. So if you uh, are a healthcare professional or you know one, uh, this has been a brutal 18 months and the amount of adrenal fatigue and, uh, and complete and utter uh, exhaustion is at an epidemic level. Uh, So I'm hosting a free five-day summit in August to support healthcare professionals reduce their stress. So, uh, we'll have 20 plus speakers, Michael being one of them, uh, who are focusing on how to heal trauma, how to end burnout, and how to balance work and life in a healthy way. Um, So, if you know anybody who fits that description or that's you, you can just go to reduceyourstresssummit.com. It's a free event. Uh, Really excited to support my fellow healthcare professionals in this way. I support them ongoingly through my own podcast called Reduce Your Stress. But this summit is kind of something I do twice a year, and it's very passionate about. So uh, please check it out at uh, reduceyourstresssummit.com and just find me at timringold.com.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. And we'll put the, the links in the show notes, of course. And I'll be sharing that out with my audience. Tim, before I have you play us off, my last question for you today, my friend is, what does it mean to you to be unbroken?
1: Art, for those of you who are familiar with classical art, there's this thing called patina where uh, you fill cracks with gold paint to actually highlight the cracks. Um, it, It shows authenticity. It shows that it's not a fake. And I think that we all get cracked along the way in the journey of life. And I find that it's much more refreshing for me to actually paint those cracks and heal those cracks with gold paint so others can see as well and can find me along the way to help them heal when it's their time. And it's not whether you're gonna make it through, it's how you're gonna make it back. And life is either happening to me or for me. It's one of the most impactful transformational questions you can ever ask. And you can always say, how is this happening for me? And it's like, oh, so I can connect with more people and more people and more people. And that's what I got.
0: That's beautiful. Tim, thank you so much. Unbroken Nation, please go follow Tim, check him out, visit the summit. We're gonna do incredibly beautiful things together. Um, Thank you so much for listening. And again, like, subscribe, comment, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. Tim, take it away.
1: Do you want something upbeat or do you want something relaxing? let's go let's go up beat man let's okay. get this going okay so everybody i lean on you you lean on me we don't keep score that is community that is how it's done so one of the greatest songs written of all time
2: we're gonna do a little lean on me you can sing it along with me lean on me when you're not strong i'll be your friend i'll help you carry on for It won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just call on me brother when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on, lean on me. When you're not strong, I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on.
0: Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I wanna know what you think. Please do me a favor and review rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like,